0: Well, good morning. It is good to be with you again. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. It's encouraging for us to do that. It's encouraging for me to do that uh, and to just be able to hang out with you a little bit this morning, especially around the open word of God. It's a comfort to us. uh, It's instructive for us. uh, And as we're gonna see in just a little bit, I think one of the things that is so important about what we're learning and what we're beginning to understand from the scripture is that as we internalize the word of God and we kind of dive deep into things like doctrine. You say, well, you know, I don't know that doctrine's that important, but it is because it grounds you in the truth. And boy, that's important these days, isn't it? I think it's always important, but it feels important these days, probably because you're more aware and awake to things worldwide than any other generation has ever been. You know, I mean, the truth has always been in conflict, that there's always a battle for the truth. But when we understand the truth and we live our lives by the truth, what starts to happen is that it just opens up our ability to praise the Lord. It opens up our ability to worship the Lord because we understand who he is in a little bit different dimension. And as we begin to internalize those things and start to live them out, God just begins to bless us. Now, last week we were in Ephesians 1 verses 1 and 2 you can turn back there if you want to and i'm just going to give you the quick recap of that uh, that i think is important for us this week uh you know we talked about what it meant to be faithful we talked about what it meant to be saints the holy ones and we talked about what it meant to be believers those who continue to believe and and this week we're going to be talking about some of those spiritual blessings and this is really kind of an overview of a a lot of verses that we're gonna look at in the coming weeks. But we're gonna be in one verse only today, and it's Ephesians chapter one, verse three. And we'll kind of take the the, the 30,000 foot view of the following verses, but it's really talking about, in the beginning of this letter to the church at Ephesus, this idea of God being blessed and God blessing us with blessings. It's a funny construction. Bless God who blesses us with blessings. Now, you may remember from a couple of years ago that we studied the Gospel of Matthew, and we spent a lot of time in a sermon series we called hashtag The Blessed Life, uh, as we went through the blessings of the Beatitudes. Now, it's an important distinction for us to make that those are two actually different words that, than what or There's two different words. One in Ephesians, one in Matthew. They're the same for us, equivalent in English, but they are very different. In Matthew, when we talked about blessed. We were talking about happy. Happy is he who mourns, right? He shall be comforted. That, that's kind of that, that literal translation, blessed are those who mourn. Happy is he who mourns. And we were talking about how the world kind of throws these uh, things up on their Facebook, uh, you know, feeds or, or their Instagram stories or whatnot, you know, hashtag blessed. And, and it's, you know, blessed, it was sunny today, blessed, I got to eat a steak dinner today. We're talking about that's, that's not the happiness that Jesus is talking about for our lives. Well, today we're looking at something that's a little bit different and we kind of need to understand that because I think when we talk about blessings for most of us, we would think about, you know, man, the person who won the billion dollar jackpot, they are blessed. Wow. Blessed. Had some money in their pocket. I like money. I don't know about you. I like money in my pocket. I mean, I like it a lot better than not having money in my pocket. How about you? Nobody, Y'all are so spiritual. No, we don't. We don't like money, all. you liars. Golly, it's unbelievable. You know? But here's the question. You win a billion dollars, are you happier? No. If you were miserable before, you had a billion dollars. You're just as miserable after having a billion dollars. You can just kind of medicate it out with buying some things. When you talk about blessings, are you talking about health or? family or job or sports or vacations or the weather or whatever, I mean, whatever it is? Is that kind of the blessings that fill your life? Well, you remember that Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter five and verse 45. I'm gonna put it on the screen just as a reminder. Happy birthday, Bailey. It's today, isn't it? Yeah, I just saw it. it just, I just kind of, you know, these masks, they mess with me, you know, sorry about that. It was just kind of one of those things. But I want you to see this. Throw it up on the screen, guys. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, when Jesus was talking about that, he's giving us this big idea that there are certain blessings that come to your life and to my life and everybody gets it. They're not not special because we're believers. That's not how it is, right? I mean, if if the sun rises on me and the sun rises on somebody that's wicked, they, they got a blessing too, didn't they? And, and you may remember that we talked about some of those years and years ago. You may have heard my father use this term through his tenure as your pastor here. He said, those are the blessings of common grace. Where I lived in Virginia for many years, I'd, I'd never heard this expression, but it was one that was used awesome, often. And if they described you as this kind of person, it was not a compliment. That's a common person. You are common. That's a common way of doing things. What, what do they mean by that, right? That's the lowest kind of kind of thing that anybody could be, right? Anybody can be that. You need to raise yourself up a little bit. And and when we talk about what common grace would be, we see these things and we see that everybody gets it, you know, I mean, un un unrighteous people get health. Unrighteous people get get financial blessings sometimes. I mean, you know, unrighteous people get some of these things too that we so often think of as blessings. And yet Paul's going to say to us today that our greatest blessings, our true great blessings, probably aren't common to the world. They're probably not common to the world because they exist for us in the spiritual realm, not in the earthly realm. And as he talks about that, it's important for us to see that. Now, I, I like the common blessings. I mean, they're good things. You know, I mean, I, I like having good health. I like it when the weather is right, when I need it to be right. You know, I mean, I know that we need rain, but if it could not rain when I don't want it to rain, that's a good thing, right? I mean, that, that kind of thing. But that's not what he's talking about. Now, there's a there's a thing in the scripture that that. Believers have dealt with this and they struggle with this. Why do, do, do people who are evil get blessed? Proverbs talks about it. The psalmist talks about it. You remember Psalm, uh, I think it's uh, 37 and 73 talk about these and kind of this juxtaposed thing of like, I'm struggling to watch evil people prosper. They're getting the common blessings. But for us, it's different. So let's look at this in Ephesians chapter one and verse three. And we'll kind of see that God has something bigger for us better for us than maybe we could possibly have imagined. Let's read it together. Blessed is God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Now, if we were to keep reading in the original language what you would see, and every time every you have a seminary student that goes to, to Greek class, one of the things that they do is they point out this passage of scripture, because it's unusual in all of the scriptures. Because for the next, uh, basically, I mean, 11 verses all the way down to verse 14, in the original language, it's one sentence. No periods. It's, it's one just like, if you're an English, Shannon's an English teacher, it's a terrible run-on sentence, right? It's just like It's going and going and going and going. But he's expressing one thought to us And this is the kickoff. So so when we read verse 3, what we're seeing is kind of that 30,000-foot view, and then he's going to start explaining it. And I want you to see this with me because it's all tied together. Now, as we talked about this, the difference is in Matthew 5, blessed is happy. Here it's talking about worthy of commendation. So blessed is God the Father. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of us commending who he is. By the way, that's a testimony when you do that. When you go out into the world and you bless the Lord, oh, my soul and all that is within me, that's giving commendation to the Lord for who he is, what he has done. That's praise in our lives. And so as he talks about that, he says, there's something for us to do. We start by blessing God, the father, and then he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And and he says, why here? So we bless him. And he says, because he's acted kindly towards us. Look at this. He says, we have been blessed. Well, that's we have been acted with favor. God has given us this kind favor that he has bestowed upon us, and he's given it to us. You might even say provided us benefits. That's a good thing, isn't it? If we were going to talk about your greatest blessings, we might say, well, how do your greatest blessings benefit you? What are the greatest blessings in your life? How does that benefit you? How does that help you? Well, we're going to see that. We're going to see that, that God has done something in Jesus Christ That's amazing that we can't separate from now. Do you remember that when we went through a little book here called extreme prayer If you never grabbed that book, I believe if you go to the next steps desk We have a copy of that for you and we'd love for you to have that's free If you don't have one and we learned how to pray using a method called active prayer Do you remember that active was this acronym that stood for adoration? That was the first piece That's how we start our prayers. Well, he's kind of doing that right here, isn't he? He's saying that God should be blessed because of what God has blessed us with. And then we kind of go through this confession, A, C, T, and then it's Thanksgiving. And that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna give you all the reasons in the world to thank God right here. This passage of scripture is going to be so rich for us. It's an example. So if you're kind of struggling to get your prayer life kicked off in the morning, Uh, It may be because you're entering the most holy of holies and you're just entering. Remember, I talk to you about this all the time. Don't ever enter the holy of holies right, with your laundry list of things for God to do. Hey, take care of this. Knock that out for me. That's not how it starts, right? Start with adoration. And if you're struggling with that, let this be the kickoff for you. Let it be the kickstarter for you to start praising the Lord for all that he has done and all that he is doing in your lives. Now, there's a second thing that we need to see from this verse that's, that's very important, and we see it in the following verses, but I want to read it again. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Now, we see here a Trinitarian construction. This is one of the hardest concepts in all of theology to explain. In fact, if you have a, a great way to explain it, man, come talk to me afterwards because in the coming weeks, I'm going to use it. You know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing for us to explain the Trinity, isn't it? We are sometimes accused by other people of worshiping three gods. It's not true. Our God is one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all of the illustrations that we could kind of use start to break down just a little bit. You know, I could say that I'm a father to these two children and that's one dimension of my life. And I'm a husband to a wife. And that's the second dimension of my life. And I'm a son to a mother and father. And that's a third dimension of my life. But it, it breaks down a little bit for us when we see this. But what we're going to see through these next few verses is this Trinitarian construction explained and kind of played out. And, and I'm, I want to break it down and make it really easy for us. Because when people talk to us about this idea that we're worshiping three gods what Paul's saying here is, no, we're not, we're worshiping one. Notice how he tied it all together. There was God the Father, there was in Christ the Son, he said, and it's been given to us in spiritual blessings. Now, if you're worshiping three gods, it may be the sun god, the moon god, God of the harvest, something like that, or or, or the rain god, whatever it is. That's not what we're doing. Our God is one. Our God moves together and in, in, in through all these things together, not separated out. However, the distinctive roles that we see in this passage of Scripture are really important. If you look down through 3 through 14, here's what you'll see. You'll see, and I'm going to make it alliterated for you, which I very seldom do, but it just fell together and it works out really well for us to remember this. God the Father is the actor. He's the actor of all of these things. He's the, the acting force behind all of this. So you go back to Genesis chapter one, and what do you see? God says, I want to create something, and he speaks forth. He's the actor of it, and what happens? Let there be light. Boom, lights are turned on. The Bible says that he created that out of nothing. Later, we find that it, all things were created and held together and came through Jesus Christ. So Christ is the agent and we're gonna see that as we go through here. You you will be overwhelmed how many times in this passage of scripture, we'll see exactly what we saw in verse three, in Christ, in Christ, in him, in Christ. I think that construction and Jesus being named either by he or him, the pronouns, and in Christ and, and Jesus Christ, it's like 15 times just in this opening salvo that we're kind of given here. And what we're going to see is that if God is the actor, Christ is the agent. Everything comes through him. It all comes through him. That's how the blessings come to us. And this is very important for us to understand. I'll come back to this in a minute. But there are zero, count them, zero spiritual blessings that come to you outside of Christ. They come through Christ. He's the agent of all of these things. And then we see that the Holy Spirit, especially in verses 13 and 14, is sealing us now do you remember we talked a little bit about this at christmas we talked about how we were sealed with a promise of things to come and that we've been given the holy spirit the down payment for us and so you could kind of think about it like this if god's the actor and christ is the agent the holy spirit for us is really the adhesive that holds it all together it's all held together in the holy spirit So you have the actor, the agent, and the adhesive all holding it together. It sticks. Every promise that we've been given by God through Christ is sealed for us with the Holy Spirit. Now that becomes very important as we start talking about what it means for us to be saints. Do you remember that from last week? Saints. Holy. Set apart. In God's story, and what God was doing in our lives is that God was creating a people for himself. He's always had a people for himself. That's what he wanted. He started in relationship with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned and the covenant was violated, what happened? They were cast out of the Garden of Eden, but God wasn't finished. He continued to work. He promised that he was going to raise up a a people for himself through their seed, through their offering. You find that in Genesis chapter 3. Do you remember That, that very early promise that he told Eve that there will be one born of you, And the serpent will do what? Bruise his heel. Have you ever had a stone bruise on your heel? It hurts, doesn't it? My cousin gave me one when I was a kid. We were playing in his room and he had things that had been bunk beds that had been separated off. And so, you know, it was a twin over here and a twin over here. And we were jumping back and forth between them, you know, like you shouldn't do. And as I got ready to jump one time, my cousin pushed me And my leg flicked back and hit the bottom frame of the bed. Of course, no shoes on. Because, I mean, you know, if you're going to jump on the bed, you don't do it with shoes on, of course. And I got a stone bruise right in my heel. And, you know, you're walking around with your heel up off the ground. It hurts. You're still ambulatory, right? And that's what the promise was. Is that Jesus Christ was going to receive a wound from the serpent, right? Crucifixion. But what did he do? Praise God. He crushed the serpent's head. He defeated our great enemy. And so all of these things are coming to us in Christ and we've been given the promise of the Holy Spirit that adheres all of this stuff to us because we can't hold it on our own. It's stuck to us like glue from the Holy Spirit sealed for us. And we begin to see that God's really doing something. He's given us these spiritual blessings. And I want you to think about this for a second. In the Old Testament... As God talked about blessings, he used language that was a little bit different because primarily people saw the blessings of God as being things that they could tangibly taste, touch, see. Right? I want to just read this for you. It'll be on the screen. But from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, it says, Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full and build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. That was primarily how people saw their blessings. Do you remember the disciples even struggled with this? Do you remember that that Jesus was dealing with the rich young ruler and this young man came to him and said, teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom and inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, I, what do the commands say? And he says, you know, I've done those. I, I've kept the 10 commandments, Lord. And he says, that's good. One thing you lack. Sell everything you have and come and follow me. And the scripture said that he went away dejected, discouraged because he had much and he, he didn't want to get rid of it. Do you remember the great thing that Jesus said after that? Jesus kind of pities him. Because I think Jesus is is hoping that he'll make the turn. He'll forsake everything that's holding him back. And Jesus says, man, it is just so difficult for a rich person to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's really hard. And why does he say that? Well, of course, if I have all the spiritual blessings and I see them as material blessings, I don't really need God for Anything else? I mean, it's like, I mean, God's given me what I need and I don't want to get rid of those things. I don't want to have to give anything up. And do you remember the question the disciples asked Jesus? They were like, well, Jesus, um, if a rich person can't inherit the kingdom, who can? Why were they asking that? It's because they had seen the hand of God tied to physical blessings, god God had had blessed his people, remember when they left egypt they they were slaves, and when they left, they were rich and as they went and conquered the land everywhere they went, God was with them and You talk about starting with nothing, and then all of a sudden God's just pouring it on them and he's establishing them but the the, the thing was there is so, you know don't don't forget that it was me, it was God who gave you these things, and that's always kind of the struggle isn't it when we have the physical and material blessings of the world, it's just really hard for us. And, and, and I would say this to you, the, the question the disciples asked is really the same kind of question that I think those of us in, you know, some people would call it the first world, or I think the term now people are using more is the majority, you know, uh, the, the, they talk about first world, majority world, different things like that. If you live in what's called the first world, where, where blessings seem to flow in economies and from governments, It's very difficult to see that God has given us spiritual blessings and that they would ever outweigh getting a raise or being able to take a trip or being able to buy a home or whatever. But if you live in the majority world, the spiritual blessings that God offers are so real to you because there's no way for you to to, to change your position in a way. We, We don't realize how wealthy we are in this nation. We have no concept of that. And, and listen, I, I don't say that to berate you about it. That's not, that's not the point. The reason, it, it, it's, kind, it's kind of like this. When, when, when my family moved from East Tennessee to Nashville, Tennessee, the principal at our high school uh, told my parents when they showed up for uh, the school orientation, said, your kids are gonna come to school and they're gonna come home and tell you that everybody drives a nicer car and they're driving luxury vehicles and these kind of things. And he said, it's true. They all drive nicer cars than I do. That's just what we see. Have you looked around lately? I mean, like, you just don't see a bunch of clunkers everywhere. It's just, it's not what it is. It's what's around us. So we're conditioned to that. I don't don't disparage us about that. It is what it is. But it is something for us to keep in mind and for us to constantly roll back, right? That our greatest blessings are not material blessings. They're spiritual blessings and they reside in something that is already existing in our lives, that salvation, and something that's yet to come, and that salvation when it will be realized when we get to heaven, and we're glorified. So the best is still yet to come. Now the struggle is real for us on earth, and that's why Paul says that these blessings that God has given us are in the heavens, or in the heavenlies, your Bible may say, your translation May say, he says, these spiritual blessings are found in the heavens in Christ. Now, I want you to think about that. Go back to active prayer with me for a second. A C T I V, vanquishing Satan. Do you remember that as we read through Greg's book on that and we talked about what it meant to pray against evil? I hope that you'll join us. In just a few weeks, a couple of weeks now, we're going to be going through kind of our month-long emphasis on renewal, right? We start that in February, and we'll have a couple of speakers that will come in on Sunday nights, and, and they're going to teach us through the Lord's Prayer this year, and isn't it interesting that Jesus told the disciples to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, vanquishing Satan. God has a plan for me. Satan has a plan for me. I'm praying against evil. That might come to my life through things that I would watch, listen to, or or places that I might go and encounter evil. I'm, pl- I'm praying against accidental evil, you know, where someone else has made a, a poor decision in their life and our lives intersect. And, you know, we talked about that before. Like it, it could be the drunk driver. That, that, that hits me. You know, he made an accident, he maybe made an accidental choice, never imagining he was going to, to kill me or harm me, and, and, and the car hits and it, it happens. I'm praying against those things. We're praying protection over our church, over our families, asking God to do that. Well, this is why this becomes so important that the greatest blessings we have can never be robbed from us because they're held in the heavenlies in Christ. Well, where's Christ? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Listen to this, and I quote, it's important that we should understand this point of view. Heaven to us has come to mean a future state of perfect bliss. But to St. Paul's mind in the heavenly sphere, the very same struggle is going on, which vexes us on earth. Only with this difference, there, Christ is already enthroned, and we, by representation, are enthroned With him. That's by J.A. Robinson. And as he talks about that, what is he saying? He's saying a lot of us are looking towards this idea that when heaven happens, it's going to be great. We're not going to have any more problems. And that's all good. And that is true. When we get to our eternal home, that will be true. But Christ sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father today. That's a reality for us today. That's not waiting for it to happen. That happened when he rose. We talk about that in Acts chapter 2. At the ascension, when Christ rises, he sits at the right hand of the Father. And Hebrews tells us the reason he sat at the right hand of the Father is because the work was finished. It's over. It's done. His part is done until the Father says it's time to go and bring him home. But while he's there, here are the things that we begin to see They're all kind of held together. They've all come through Christ and they're all entrusted in Christ for us and all these spiritual blessings are impossible for us without Christ. Did you notice it said every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. That's important. You can't have any spiritual blessings without Christ. Now, you can't get them from coming here. They don't exist because I'm preaching. Uh, They don't exist if you come and say, can you speak a blessing over me, pastor? I can. I love doing it. But they make no sense, do they, if they're not in Christ. Because Christ was the agent that brought every good spiritual blessing to us. They all came through him. And I want you, if you just kind of scan down through here, here's what you're going to see in, in the coming verses. What we're going to see is that God the Father has elected us. He has adopted us. Christ has redeemed us. He's offered us forgiveness. He's given us an inheritance. And the Holy Spirit has unveiled the mystery to us that has approached in Christ. And he has sealed us for the time being and into the time to come. All that comes through Christ. What difference does that make for you today? I like what Pastor Robinson said. The very same struggle goes on today, and it vexes us on earth, and it's happening in the spiritual realm as well. If you just turned over into chapter six for just a second and just looked. At verse 12, for our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of darkness, against evil and spiritual forces. Where? In the heavens, in the heavenlies. This is real, folks. Now, I don't know how to say this without trying to make you scared of something. We don't have any reason to be scared of it because we're fighting a battle with all of the promises and all of the spiritual blessings given to us. But you know, there's a war going on today and it's not between Republicans and Democrats. It's not between QAnon and Antifa. That, that's not the war that we're most concerned with. The war that we're concerned with is one that human eyes can't see. It's not nation against nation. It's not set up by borders. It's happening every day. And you know, if you go into the world and you leave this country where we're kind of dull to this a little bit, you see it very clearly with your own eyes that there are spiritual forces of darkness arrayed against the light. Now, I've said this to you before, but it requires discernment. You know, the other day, I had to take a vehicle, and I needed some work done to it. And one of the things that happened is that they called me and said that the battery was shot. I needed to buy a battery. That could be one of two things, couldn't it? It could be that that was the demonic forces of hell aligning itself against me, or it could be that I haven't changed the battery in five years. But it takes discernment to know, doesn't it? Because sometimes it's just that you haven't done what you needed to do, you know? Your car died and you needed to get the battery changed. And sometimes the cosmic forces of hell have arrayed against you to try to conspire against you from doing what God's called you to do in some way. And it may manifest itself in something that seems very you know normal to us. My battery's dead, I can't. I couldn't start the car today. And I'm supposed to be going to do prison ministry today. Huh? That's interesting. Worked just fine yesterday. Hmm. Could it be? It could be. But there's these things going on all around us, and yet for us, we were elected unto salvation to be holy. We have been adopted and given all the rights and privileges that are ours as sons and daughters of the king. Praise God for that. We have been redeemed out of the domain of darkness and called into the domain of light. And God has rescued us from that through Christ Jesus, who fought that cosmic battle for us and sits at the right hand of the father just waiting. I mean, isn't that interesting? I imagine this. The the spiritual forces of darkness array against the kingdom of heaven all the time. And Jesus isn't in the war room. He's sitting at the right hand of the father. Why? The battle's won. It's taking place, but the battle is won. The outcome is sure. The victory is ours. It cannot be snatched from us. It it, it may look like we're about to be overwhelmed, but in the end, we know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to be snatched from the jaws of defeat right into victory, aren't we? It may look like we're losing, but it's not true. Because we have been adopted, we've been redeemed, we've been forgiven. Weren't you grateful just to sing that the Lord's mercy is more just a minute ago and and that he's placed our sin in a place, in in a sea that doesn't have a bottom, doesn't have a shore. His mercy is more for us. You have been forgiven. Won't you live like it? Won't you quit living like you've got this weight on your shoulders of all the things that you've done in the past? and? And God could never love you. He could never forgive you. God could never work in your life. He could never use you. None of that is true. All of this has been sealed for us by the Holy Spirit who's unveiled this mystery to us. And as we begin to understand it, we start to realize that we have an inheritance. We've been given a down payment of it now, but we're gonna get it soon. And that we've been sealed with the Spirit from now until eternity. And nothing, height nor depth, principality, darkness, life or death, none of it, sickness, health, none of it can separate us from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus. See, that's what it means when your blessings, your greatest blessings are in the spiritual. Okay, so what does this mean? You get a raise at work tomorrow. I'm not gonna say I was blessed. Ooh, no, that's a blessing. It's not your greatest blessing. I hope you get a raise. That'll help you tithe more. See? Then we'll all be blessed. See how that works? I hope God just blesses your socks off at work. I hope he uses you and you become an influencer at work. I hope God uses you to minister to people at work. I hope that God gives you good health this year. I hope that God moves in your life to be able to do that. I hope all of those things But what I really hope is that you come to grasp and understand what God has given you and acted out for you on your behalf and that Christ was the agent for you to bring these things into your life and that they stick to you and are sealed to you by the Holy Spirit who fills you. And when you go before the Lord and you take the filling of the Holy Spirit this week and you start tomorrow and you say, Lord, fill me up. I need it today. That you know that these blessings are yours. And because of that, it changes how we live a little bit. I was watching a commercial this week and uh, it had one of my favorite pro basketball players on. He's retired now. It's Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley just absolutely cracks me up all the time. He always has. I've loved Charles Barkley since he was running uh, these ads saying, I'm not a role model and all this kind of stuff when I was a kid. I always found that great. My parents couldn't stand it and maybe that's why I liked it even more, you know? Have you seen this new commercial? There are these two little kids, a little girl and a little boy, and they're over here, and there's a little boy, and Charles Barkley, and maybe a little girl and a little boy over here, and they're picking teams. And this little girl goes, well, I'm picking Barkley, right? And he goes, yes, I've still got it. It's still me, baby. I've been chosen, right? I mean, it's still exciting for him after all these years. You know what? It's still exciting for me that God would choose any of us. Knowing who we are, that he would choose you And he'd give you spiritual blessings that no one can take away because he's loved you with an everlasting love. Now, can I make an appeal to you really quickly before we close? I say this and we're done. If you don't know Christ, if you've never experienced what it means for God to knock on the door of your heart and invite you to salvation, where you receive that, if you don't know what that is, then none of these things that we're gonna be talking about in the coming weeks and that I've mentioned, they don't apply to you. They don't apply to you because you're Baptist. We don't have a monopoly on that. They don't apply to you because you're an evangelical or whatever it is. It doesn't apply to you because you come this morning. It only applies if you're in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? To be in Christ means that you have recognized that you are a sinner. You're in good company. You're in a room full of people who have recognized their sin. Amen, folks? We thank God that he opened our eyes to see that we were sinners. And that all we were living in was in common grace. But God, who was rich in mercy, sent Christ to die for men and women like us at the right time. That's the mystery. It was the right time unfolded for us to see. And because of Christ's death on the cross, The scripture says that all of these things are available to us if we'll place our faith in Christ and believe that He is not only the Lord, but that He rose from the dead and He sits at the right hand of the Father, living, ready to come and receive those who are His own. Have you done that today? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Nobody looking around, please. Don't do this often but I just feel the need to do it this morning. If you're in Christ this morning, would you just slip your hand up and put it back down and say, that's me, I'm in. I know that I'm in, yeah, all around the room. Praise the Lord for that, right? Aren't you grateful that he did that for you? Can't you just thank him for a moment and just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. so good that he would do that If you're not sure this morning, would you say pastor, just to be honest, I don't know if I'm in Christ. No one's looking around. I promise you, this is just between you and I and the Lord. Would you just slip your hand up really quickly and put it down and say, "I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just uncertain." Anybody? Yeah, Amen. I want you to find me after the service. I'm going to be sitting right down here, right where I I normally do. And I want to just talk to you about that because you can be in Christ today. You can know he has loved you perfectly and died in your place. Father, we come before you today. And we thank you. So many of us raised our hands this morning because we are in Christ. We're not separated any longer. And we thank you that all of these blessings are ours. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our God, three in one, we praise you. We commend you highly. We bless your name. And I pray for us, Father, that this week, we'll realize that our greatest blessings aren't in the things we own or the accomplishments that we have in this earth, our family, our health, our work. But our greatest blessings come from you through Christ, sealed by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us. Use us. In the coming weeks, I pray that you would illuminate our eyes to the Scripture. Help me, Lord to be able to speak words of truth that are understandable for us. Reveal the mysteries to us, Lord. Let us see what's happening all around the world today, not just through the lens of what's happening in our city, our state, our country, but what's happening in the heavenlies, that there's a war going on. And those things that would vex us today here on earth, they're being fought over, but the battle's won. Lord Jesus, come quickly. We pray your return. We ask you to come back and make all things new. Vanquish evil from us. We pray against evil over our congregation, in our lives, for our families, for our loved ones. We pray that you would keep us from walking into evil, that you would keep us from participating in evil, that you would keep evil people from us. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus by the Spirit, through the Son, amen.